Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. God bless you. I wanted to shout out for Pastor Ryan. Thank you. All right. Man, he's in. Hey, you got a shout out for him, man. He's having fun. He's, he's, he's crying right now. Like, tomorrow's Monday. I don't want to go back. They got it. They don't need me. Hey, man. No, but today, uh, today I believe I have a word that God has given me. Yeah. Man. Uh, while preparing this message, um, I wasn't really focused on the word. I was more focused on the Holy Spirit. I was more focused on just spending time with him, uh, just having him embrace me, you know, getting to know him a little better. Because I don't know if you know, but he is a person. He is not an it. He is a being, a spiritual being, and he is here for us. I, I like to be like, man, hey, this is like for me. Because, is that what popped up? All right. Uh, because it's like, back in the Old Testament, they had God. All right, the New Testament, the start, they got Jesus. All right, well, we got the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to make sure you know that's who I got. I got him. He got me. Amen? All right. So let's get it. So I told my wife, I said, man, if he didn't give me the, a message to speak to you guys, and I just got to spend time with him, that would be worth it for me. But don't worry. Y'all are like, oh, man. Don't worry. He has a word, right? A side note, why is it that we find ourselves going to God when we're in need and when when we're we're, oh you need me to do something God I need you I need you to help me through this but we don't go to him just to spend time with him and it shows Ah, I'm just kidding no but we do we want to go to him oh God I'm going to preach and and, and I I I stamp myself approval right I'm guilty myself because we get busy with work we get busy with family we get busy with life but we only go to him when we're in need. Wow. If you got a daughter or a son, you know, they come to you. You got youth pastors coming at you for money. It's like, man, come see how I'm doing, bro. You know, and it's the same. I feel like Holy Spirit's like, man, well, you, you need something again, don't you? You know, it's funny, but it's sad because that's the reality. We, we tend to miss that time that we could spend with him. Not because, oh, God, what are you going to do for me? Oh, God, you're going to get me through this breakthrough. I need it. I need this new job. No, God, man, how are you? God bless you. What hurts your heart? What makes you sad? What do I need to pray for? What do I need to do? Thank you just for being who you are. Thank you for creating me. Thank you for giving me favor. Thank you for, for not giving me favor. Just thank you, right? So my sermon today, um, I was having a conversation with a friend about today and the words I was going to speak. And I said, man, I'm just talking about it. And then these words just hit me and they wouldn't leave me alone. And those words are the status quo. Right. Uh, the status, the term status quo comes from a Latin phrase, meaning the existing state of affairs, particularly with regard to social, political or religious or, or military issues. Right. Uh, we know that Jesus battled a, a lot of status quos when he came. But what I want to focus on today is going to be at the Genesis 37 through 50, and we're going to be reading all of it. I'm just kidding. I'm like, man. No, it's going to be the story of Joseph. And I think 
I wish he was here, but bro, as I kept reading, I'm like, Josh, uh, Josh, I'm like, it's Joseph. Stop saying Josh, it's Joseph. So not to say that my boy needs Jesus or something, but I mean, we all do. But it just kept coming out as, as Josh, right? So the story of Joseph, which we can find towards the end of Genesis, as I said, 37 through 50. We're going to go through, uh, we're not going to read all of it. We're going to kind of take off bite sizes and we're going to digest what we're reading. Amen. Um, so we find Joseph in very difficult situations, right? So another way of saying the status quo would be, like I said, the current situation. And we're going to look at Joseph and, and some of his current situation that he goes through. Amen. Uh, it's going to be three. It's going to be with his family. It's going to be with his master being Potiphar. And it's going to be while he was in jail. Amen. So to start it off, we look at uh, his current situation that we think of Joseph. It doesn't look like a good situation. Amen. It looks pretty bad. It looks pretty rough. It's, a, it's over a span of 13 years, and you're probably thinking, yeah, it's not going to be good. Um, but to the naked eye, that's what we see. And as we read, we find out how it comes full circle. But let's get there, right? So Genesis 37, uh, Joseph's current situation with his family. It starts with, now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned. to be uh, verses 1 through 4. I apologize. So now Jacob lived in the land where his fathers had sojourned in the land of Canaan. These are the records uh, of the generation of Jacob. Joseph, when he was 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back uh, a bad report about, the, about them to their father. No, no, right? Don't do that. No snitching. Uh, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons. Because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a variant, a very colored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Man. All right. So right off the bat, he's, he's like the self-proclaimed uh, snitch, right? I'm looking out for my brothers, making sure they're not doing wrong, and I'm going to tell my dad. Right? So we see that. He's like the self-proclaimed watchdog. And later he has dreams. A little bit further down, he has a couple of dreams. And his brothers don't dislike, they dislike that either. They hate him even more for it. Imagine your little brother coming saying, I had a dream that you're going to bow down to me. <laughs> Why y'all laugh? <laughs> Why y'all laugh? It's, it's rough, right? And then, and then to go even further, he has another dream. And he goes and just says to his parents, well, my whole family is going to bow down to me. Seems crazy, right? But a little bit before is uh, Genesis 33. And what happens is, I just want to remind you that this Jacob, you know, Joseph's dad, Jacob, is the same Jacob that, that was, he, well, I guess he wouldn't steal it. Esau gave him his birthright for some suit. And not only that, he steals, at this time, he steals with his mom telling him, he steals the blessing from his older brother. This is the same Jacob becomes Israel. And the 12 tribes come from him. So this is the same, this is, so if you think that God can't do something with you because you did wrong, let me be the first to tell you, when you put yourself under, in the right position with God, he will do things, and he will honor his word. But a little bit more, Genesis 33, what we see is Esau's coming back, or Jacob's trying to come back, and Esau's coming with 400 men towards Esau. I mean, Jacob, I'm sorry. So what happens is, and this is just to give you a little more, I guess, build attention why they hated Joseph. Jacob says, well, let me put my people out in front. He puts his two, uh, I think I actually put it here. I did. I didn't. All right. Anyway, so he, what, what happens is he places um, 
He places his two slave women with their kids up front. Then he places the next women, his wives, with their kids. But all the way in the back, he puts Rachel and Joseph. And then he goes up to the front. Now, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not the smartest man in the room, but if you, put the, you probably put the one you love the most in the back for either he can get away or he's most protected. So you got to remember all these things, too. So he's already his favorite son. He says it. He doesn't hide it. You know, he's building this position up against Joseph to where his brothers really hate him, right? And it's unfortunate. Um, let's see. So Joseph as, I, Joseph, as I said, he brings a bad report to his brothers. He's a self-proclaimed watchdog. Uh, and then he has dreams. I would have to say he seemed a little cocky. Arrogant, maybe, to go and just, have, uh, just tell the dreams. I mean, when you have a dream, you probably don't want to share it just like that. Especially when you already got a, a bad taste in their mouth about you. Amen? Um, but if any of you have younger siblings, I'm, I'm sure you know that, that they are a pain in the butt, right? I wouldn't understand that or know that because I am the youngest, <laughs> so I can't relate to your problems and your issues, right? Uh, but uh, I do have a younger sister, but she wasn't in the picture, so I was a baby. She lost her chance, right? But this is a blended family. As I told you before, it was multiple women. Back then, it, it, he was a pimp. Nah, he had, he had concubines, right? He had different women that they, they had kids with. So it was a blended family. So I was a blended family, and me and my family did not get together. I had a, a, me and my sister Tiffany were the two, and she's gone. Amen. Uh, and I had my other two sisters and my brother, and we always fought. We always battled. It's like they, they hated us, and we hated them, but we love each other. We got each other's back. But we, you can't say nothing about them or me because we'll fight y'all. But, <laughs> but. We can say whatever we want about each other. It's open game. But we changed, sort of. All right. <laughs> All right. But what I, to, what I really want to focus on is Joseph had dreams. And not only, did he, not only did he have a dream, he was able to interpret that dream, right? right. <sighs> My wife, she, she, she's good with dreams. I don't remember the dream the next morning. I'm like, man, it was an awesome dream. What was it? I don't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. But she can remember you were wearing a... I always cheat on my wife and her dreams, too. She's like, why do you always cheat on me? I said, man, it was a dream. I didn't do it. You know, I didn't tell her I was going to say that. That was also not in my preaching, so I'm going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> but, to be fair, she cheats in my dreams, too. <laughs> but but he, he interprets these dreams, right? But, but the reality is he doesn't think before he speaks. He has the dream. Don't be laughing. I'm going to distract me. But uh, he has a dream, and he just blurts out what his dream is. That's important to understand, right? We'll, we'll get in a little bit later, but we have to understand that a gift that is not exercised or a gifting that is not exercised through God, you know, for him, he had God. For us, we have the Holy Spirit. If we have a gift that God has given us, we cannot just use it foolishly because we don't understand how a process of it works. So what happens is, is when we do something like that, we can harm others. And we can harm ourselves, not in the way we physically harm ourselves, but we can damage spiritually. We can damage brothers and sisters in Christ because we speak foolishly rather than trying to hold our tongue and understand before we speak. Amen. And, and I'm there, bro. That's it could be bad. So, man, that's understand. If you have a gift, whatever that gift is, exercise it, practice it, put it to practice with God, put it to practice with the Holy Spirit, put it to practice with maybe someone who's around you that has the same gifting that can help guide you and lead you. Amen. Uh, going on. So this arrogance ultimately causes Joseph's brother to turn on him. Right. They want to they want to kill him. And man, I don't know. I've never I've disliked my brother a lot, but I've never wanted to kill him. But they wanted to kill him. Right. 
But one of the brothers is like, no, 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 let's just put them in a hole. Let's put them in a hole. We'll forget about them. We'll leave. We'll be good. Right? But they end up selling them to, to slavery. They sell them to the Ishmaelites who, who end up selling them to Egypt. One thing I learned also while reading is the brothers at this time, they went to a land almost 50 miles away from where they normally go with their sheep. That's significant. Why? Because they wouldn't have saw them traitors, the Ishmaelites, along that road. Even though they weren't planning to sell their brother, it worked out in their benefit. Why is it important? Because those traders trade in Egypt. If they would have been where they were, they're close to the water. If they would have been where they normally are, away from the water inland, they would have never seen those people. So even when we don't realize God's in control and God's doing things, God's doing things. Amen? All right. So another thing I want to mention is we never read Joseph saying, man, I just can't wait till I give out my brothers. They're done. I'm going for them. I'm taking them out. We never see that. Not once do we mention it. Was it in his mind? I have to believe that maybe it was. Like, bro, they, they did you foul. Like, I'm going to go tell my dad. Because his dad was everything to him. And that's what little brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm going to tell dad. As soon as you heard him. As soon as you hear him, I'm going to go tell dad. No, not me. I fought. But you got to think. You got to really think. Put yourself in that position. How would you feel? Betrayed by your brothers. Sold into slavery. That's a lot, man. That's a lot to digest, right? So there we see his first status quo, the family. Family should be what? Loving, caring. Supposed to be looking out for you. He doesn't get that. He gets the opposite of that, right? Moving along. We see Joseph's situation with this master Potiphar. And that's in Genesis 39, verses 1 through 8. And uh, we can read it. I'll read it for you guys. Uh, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he <clears throat> excuse me, was in uh, the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant, and he made the, him overseer over his house. And all he owned, he put in, uh, put in his charge. Right? Amen. <clears throat> excuse me. It came about that from the time he had him overseer of his house and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned and did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. All right, we'll stop there. Six. I apologize. So, wow. He gets sold into slavery, which is bad enough. But then he goes into a high officer, officer of the guard, Potiphar, and he becomes his personal servant. Why? Because he sees that everything he does, good comes from it, right? Now you got to understand that that God's hand is moving over Joseph. It's very easy to get focused on your situation and not focus on God. He's a slave. Who here would be happy being a slave? Nobody. And I'm not saying that he was happy, but he was obedient. Amen. Right. So we know that God's hand is over these difficult transitions for him. He goes from being the most loved in his house and now he becomes a slave. Nobody cares for him. Nobody likes him. And then the very thing that they like about him is what they can get from him. Not because of who he is. It's what they can get from him. Amen. So it's sad, but he was a favorite. Now he's a slave. Very difficult transitions. I don't know how easily that would be. 
But we know, if you know the story, you know that God is preparing Joseph. God is preparing Joseph for something that he's not ready for. And we know that and we see that, right? So if God doesn't give us the exact weather we want on our specific day, our picnic day, our family fun day, whatever kind of day, or if God doesn't give the exact woman or the exact girl that we want the right height, the right measurements, the right body, the physique, kind of like mine, right? Don't laugh, that's messed up. It's a bit dramatic, right? But we get the picture. If God doesn't give us exactly what we want, we tend to be like, oh, God, this day is not going to be what I hoped it would be because you didn't give me what I wanted. We can, we can become very dramatic, but we look at Joseph, and it's a situation that he does not want. It is a situation that he does not care to be in, but he prospers. He prospers, not because of his ability, not because who he, he is, but because God is with him. Amen. Go ahead, give it up for the Lord. If, you, hey, if he's blessed you, and you know you can attest, then you give it up for him. The reality is we don't like to learn through tough situations. We want it to be simple. God, give, me, give it to me quick. I want to know. What do I need to learn? But the reality is sometimes the tough, tough things that you go through are the ones that build endurance, that help you and equip you through the rest of the time you're battling. Amen? So, I know I mentioned it, but uh, we'll go to it as well, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop being, he goes to Potiphar, okay, everything's starting to die down a little bit. It's not, it's not what I want. I'm prospering. I'm the head of the house. Probably shouldn't be that, but I am. And then what do we have? Potiphar's wife. It comes at him, right? So what happens? She sees that he's handsome, right? She sees he has good physique. And she wants to lay with them. How does he respond? Genesis 39.8. It says, but he refused her and said to his master's wife, look with me here. My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. And he has put me in charge of all that he owns. There is no one greater in this house than I. And he has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great evil and sin against God? I don't know. Ask yourself. She grabbed onto you. Would you run? Would you flee? Hey, that's his wife. I, I got to. I have to. Not got to. Sorry, Mita. I have to. I, I have to do it. But he runs because God is so much more important to him than any self pleasure. Not only is it God, but it's his master, the ruler over him. He has respect. That's important. That's very important. Right? Even though Joseph is in these tough situations, he still honors God. He still honors him. He still obeys him. Honoring God and obeying him, they're, they're one and the same, but you got to obey. When you read his word, you have to obey. You can't just say, oh, I come to church on Sunday. I honor God's name. Well, yeah, but if you don't keep his, uh, his word, you don't walk in his, what he says, then what are you really doing? It's not obedience, amen? And that's when maybe, you, maybe you, you think, God's not really in my corner. But wait, if I read the word of God, Joseph obeyed, and God was with him. So you have to ask yourself, is God with me, and, and, and am I obeying his word, amen? Don't get quiet on me, man. Don't get quiet. Makes me nervous. Another thing we notice is Joseph's kind of maturing a little bit. 
Maybe as an arrogant young kid, he probably would have done something he shouldn't have done. But he's starting to mature a little bit. So it's showing that God and him are kind of connecting. Amen? Another thing to notice is when people get in position of power, his wife, Potiphar's wife, right? Um, who else has she done that with? Probably a lot of people. So she abuses her power. A person I want to uh, mention is uh, King David uh, and Bathsheba. I think it's very odd that her name is like where she was, like Bath. She was bathing, and her name's Bathsheba. I think that's kind of awkward. But hey, maybe that's what she did. She always bathed. I don't know. <laughs> but I want to mention David. Why? For two reasons. And you can read it. It's in 2 Samuel. And what happens? He's at home while his, his, his military, his, his soldiers are out battling. Two things. Number one, anytime the military is out battling, where should the king be? With his military. Right? So we have understanding. Sometimes we're not doing what we're supposed to do. The wrong things tend to happen. So what happens? He, he goes and says, who is this woman? Go find out who she is. I can see it. Hey, bro, bro. Hey, bro. See her right there? Go find out who she is and bring her to my room. David abusing his power. He should be with his soldiers. Then what does he do? Not only that, he's like, oh, I'm the king. I should have every spoil that I want. And that's a married woman. And he's also married. He did not obey God's commands. He did not, that's, that's not good. So he pays for that, right? She gets pregnant and it goes, novella. You got it right there. It goes, it goes bad. It goes bad. He, try, he, he brings, not even going to go there, but he brings the guy back and like tries to get him to sleep with her. And he honors his people and his comrades more than, than he honored God. And it was a soldier, not the king, but the soldier. So I'm like, wow. And then he goes even further. But anyway, that's another story. But it's important to understand when you come and when you become a pastor, when you become a leader, when you become a minister, whatever you become, you're not, you're not higher than anybody. You're simply in a position that God is calling you for in that time or in that season. Amen? You have to honor your position, honor your people, honor the people that you're serving. If you're a leader and you're not worried about the people, then you got it twisted, right? You got it twisted because you're meant to help lead the people in whichever way. Amen? All right. So lastly, we see, uh, we see Joseph in jail. And, uh, and how does he end up in jail? He ends up in jail because of something he didn't do. He ends up as a slave because of something he didn't do. His brothers just hated him. You know, he's a little brother. He was annoying, but, I mean, they, they sold him into slavery. So he has not really done anything wrong to get placed in any of the positions that he's been in. And as I said earlier, it's 13 years that come into the time that he's actually a slave. And underneath someone, right? So Potiphar doesn't kill Joseph after his wife tells him. I don't know if it's because he didn't believe him, believe his wife, or he just knew who he was. So his, who he was spoke louder than his wife's word. Maybe he knew his wife was like that. I don't know. It doesn't say. But he didn't kill him. You know, and he sends him to jail. And even in jail, he prospers. They put him in charge too. What happens? He, he put, they put him in charge of the cell. They don't have to worry about anything. Joseph's got it all. We need that guy in this church. Hey, bro, you got it. You got everything. You got it. You know, I'm just kidding. We're a team. Shame on you. <laughs> now, we're a team. Hey, there's no I in team, right? We got to do it together. Together, we got to get this thing done. We're not going to do it with just you alone. I'm not going to do it without me. We are a body. Amen? 
But Joseph is alone. He's in the land of Egypt with their own gods. They don't even recognize his God. But little by little, they start seeing his God. Because he's doing things nobody else is doing. He's excelling in ways that nobody else is excelling. Amen? I want to say that every situation Joseph finds himself in, he's kind of easy to be the bad guy. Like, bro, look at this guy. He just came to jail. Now he's telling us what to do. You got to put in your, your stripes, bro. Look at this slave in Potiphar's house. Oh, you just came in. Now you're going to tell me what to do. <laughs> you don't even know what to do. You're not even Egyptian. You know, it's just crazy. It's crazy. But every, I don't hear, there's nothing saying that people rebuttal, rebuke, nobody came against them. Everything he did prosper. Maybe he was just a good person to everybody because that's how good God was to him. Maybe. Amen. Speculate. Speculate. But like I said, he's, he's like a, it's an easy guy to hate. Like, man, I don't like this guy. I mean, he's a good guy, but there's something about him. I just don't like him. But this is where we see in Genesis 40 and 41, this is where we see uh, Joseph's gifting coming back again, where he starts interpreting dreams. And it's important. I don't want to jump ahead. My wife always tells me, don't jump ahead. But why is this important? Because even though the situation is not favorable for us, right, we should always be alert and operate in our gifting that God has given us, the talents that he gives us. Always being ready, no matter if we're uncomfortable, no matter if it's a season of difficulties, no matter if there's a loss, you should always be ready. In and out of season. Amen. If Joseph. All right, I'm sorry, I'm going to that. So what happens is. So Joseph interprets the chief cupbearer and the chief baker's uh, dreams. So what happens? He's in jail. He comes around where they are. He sees them. I'm a paraphrase. And they're, they're, they're kind of distraught. They're unsettled. That's important. Why? Because that's what Joseph saw. Hey, y'all not acting the same way you're always acting. What's going on? What's up? What's up, guys? Oh, man, we had dreams that we just can't interpret. Nobody, I can't interpret it. He can't interpret it. We don't know what to do. What does he say? Genesis 48. I love his response. He says, Genesis 40, verse 8. It says, and they said to him, we have had a dream and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do interpretations not belong to God? Tell it to me, please. Where are they at? Egypt. Is that their God? Don't think so. He didn't care who their God was. He didn't care if they disliked his God. See, because whenever you talk about your God and you talk about what he's capable of doing and then you show what he's capable of doing, well, then it's no longer, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can believe this guy. Hold on, man. He's bringing truth that I'm not really understanding, but it's making sense. And he tells them their dreams, right? He tells it to them. He helps them. But what does he do? He asks for their help. He says, I'm going to interpret your dream. I just ask that when you get out, remember me. Tell the Pharaoh that I've been wronged. I was sold as a slave. Tell him that I've been placed in prison for doing something I haven't done. But what happens? They forget about him. They forgot. But let me tell you this. When God is in your corner 
And he has given you everything you need. You don't have to worry about who else has forgotten about you. You don't have to worry about who else is supposed to help you out of the situation that you're in. You just need to put your focus on God and do everything you can to do or you can do to get out of that spot. But your trust is not in people. Your, your faith is not in man. It's in God who can get you out of all things. Amen. It's not them. It's God. It's like God just flowed out of Joseph. That's the only way I could see it. I could, it just, he just radiated God. He radiated goodness. It's like, bro, I think he had the Holy Spirit back there. He ain't came yet, but something was shining through him. But they didn't help him. They forgot about him. Joseph finally gets before Pharaoh. And it's not because the cupbearer, the king cupbearer wanted, or the chief cupbearer, I'm sorry, wanted to help him. It's because he was about to kill him. It's like, man, I need someone to interpret it. I guess he was in the line of fire. I guess he's bringing a cup. It's like, oh, here you go, Pharaoh. Here's your cup, right? But then he's reminded, well, there's someone in jail that interpreted my dreams. And, 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 the, and the chief baker's too. And what he said came to be. What does he say? Bring him to me. Bring him before me. Joseph, because all he has gone through and God using him, now is a perfect candidate to lead side by side with Pharaoh. I don't know about you, but I don't know if somebody from another country will come into our country and do all these things in negative, negative ways. He's a slave and he's a prisoner. So that goes from bad to worse. And then now, hold on. You have a gift that God has given you, and because of that gift, and because God has molded you, right, these are my words, Pharaoh didn't tell him that. He did tell him that, you know, he sees the favor of God on him, and there's no one that could lead them better for the seven years of famine. Seven years of good, good harvest, and seven years of famine. And he puts them in charge of the land. I don't think somebody can come to the USA and be next to the president and be like, yeah, bro, you're the guy. I just feel like you're the guy. You show your resume shows me otherwise, but I'm going to just go ahead and trust that you can do this. So the gift that God gave Joseph, right, without discipline, I'm sorry, with discipline and God's help, got him to where he needed to be. When he didn't know how to exercise that gift, when he didn't know what he was doing, it got him where he was at. He wanted to be killed by his brothers, going into to be a slave, and then going to be in, in, incarcerated. But now that gift that he learned to mature, finally he's learned to use it for the way that is the good and to benefit people and him and to show who God is. Now he becomes second to Pharaoh and everything other, I mean, other than the, 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 the crown. I don't know if you would have told Joseph, hey, bro, you're going to, I mean, think about it. He had dreams that everybody would bow to him. His brothers would bow before him. Why not, why not did it go like, Light bulb. That's what you meant, God. I did it. No, he didn't. He just played his position. He honored God. And he let it be. I don't think he was like, oh, man, finally. Well, he probably was like that. Finally. Finally, man. I don't even care if they believe me. Just let me out. But what would your response be if your family sold you and turned their back on you? Because now he's second to Pharaoh. Now he's the most powerful person in the land. Not too good, right? Yeah, I got something for them. But that's not how it works. But when God's molding you and shaping you into being something that he wants, 
that he's called you to be, you won't go back on that. And I want to mention it. In Genesis 45, 4 through 9, let's turn there. Because this, to me, speaks volumes about Joseph that I could only ask to have one day. And it's five verses. It's not too long. But let's read it. This is a, So what happened is the seven bad years have come. The seven, or seven good years, the seven bad years are now at hand. This is two years in. Uh, what happens is in Canaan, they're, they're, they're at a loss. We know it was a famine. They talked about it. So now they need food. Well, guess who got food? Egypt. And guess who's in charge? Joseph. Right? So here they come. So then Joseph, so he comes in. He kind of plays with them a little bit. Kind of get his little fun out. Go get my other brother and bring my father. You know, or he don't tell them like that, but that's what he's telling them. They go and they come back. They finally come. And the man says, says, verse 4 says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold to Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me ahead of you to save lives. If I was arrogant, I would have said your lives first. If I was prideful, I would have said your lives first. But he said to save lives. All right? Keep going. Uh, Verse 6. For the famine has been in the land for these two years, and there are still five years in which uh, there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. So God sent me ahead of you to ensure for you a remnant on the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household and ruler over the land of Egypt. Hurry up to my father and say to him, this is your this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. That wouldn't have been me. I mean, I would just off the bat. I'm like, no way. I would let him have it a little longer. But he understand his assignment. He understood his assignment. It was not his brothers who sent him there. It was not his overloving father who caused him to go through that. It was his God and it was his father in heaven who had seen what was to come and prepared him for the way. See, when Joseph was there for 13 years, he started learning who they were. He started learning about them. He started learning about their culture, learning about what they did. So it put him in position for his family to come, and he prepares the way for them. If you think about just those words, Jesus comes to mind, and it's referenced as this is a type of Jesus because he does the same. He comes to, he prepares the way for his family, the same way Jesus prepares the way for all of us to be restored back with, Jesus, with God. You got to say amen or say ouch because that's the time that you got to give it up for him. So don't allow your current situation to determine your eternity. It's very easy to pity party, to have a little pity party for yourself. Oh, boo-hoo, poor me. Well, next time you think about that, compare yourself to some of these people that are in the Bible. Prepare yourself for, uh, compare yourself to something, some of the things that they've did and they've gone through, they've endured. And, and it seems very minute when you say, oh, I just feel bloated or I don't feel good today. <laughs> All right, guys feel bloated too. I don't know why I went there. I just came, right? And women are like, yeah, whatever. You know, I just don't feel, I just don't, I'm not feeling it today. But let me tell you something. Get out your feelings because it ain't about your feelings. If you're, if you're moved, led, and empowered by your feelings, I want to let you know that here in Numa it's called uh, Move, Led, and Empowered by the Holy Spirit. If that ain't how you're moved, 
Don't worry. We're not saying you can't come here, but we'll make sure you get it right. Amen? All right. So Joseph, throughout everything, should have been loved by his family, protected, but he wasn't. He should have never been a slave, but he was when he shouldn't have. He never should have been placed as a ruler in a land as a foreigner, as a slave, and as an incarcerated man. He never should have been a person that would lead in Egypt next to Pharaoh. But God had other plans. Amen? Amen. All right. So, number one, I'm glad that my family, they're not perfect. And I talk about me and my wife, my kids. They're far from perfect. They're here and they're serving God. And I'm thankful for that. Cry, baby. Cry, baby. Uh, but it was prophesied that my children and my children's children would serve the Lord. And just to paraphrase, I don't want to say and children's children and children's children. Keep going on like, uh, I don't know who sings this song. Um, they go on and on. But that's what I want, on and on, etc. To put etc. at the end. I want it to go forever until you call us home. But I'm thankful. And last Sunday, it wasn't last Sunday. Oh, it was last Sunday. I was like, Pastor Melissa preached. But it was last Sunday. And Pastor Ryan said something because it was a Mother's Day service. He came up after Pastor Melissa and he was like, um, pray for your family, pray over your family. If your family's not here, then pray that you are the person that finally brings your family here. Right? I'm glad y'all clapped because I was going to cry. Yes. But I, I looked at my daughter and said, that was me. Because my family didn't come to church. I remember it was Father's Day. I had invited my dad a lot of times. I said, man, come to church, man. Come check it out. All right, man, I'm going to come. Sorry, bro. He would say, I'm going to come. Every Sunday I invited him, he'd be like, I'm going to come. And he wouldn't come. But I remember he came on Father's Day. And I was like, man. I was showing him off. Boy, look, this is my dad. This is my dad right here. The little guy is my dad. How? But I was, I was happy, man. There was a joy that... That I could not equate with anything other than the joy of the Lord. But I was, I, and, and, I, and I just want to, I just want to tell you, man, that, that may have been his words, but that was my life. It was me alone, me and my wife and my kids. And for a time, it wasn't my kids either, but my dad came, then my sister came, then my mom came. I'm going to share a memory with you about my sister. So my sister was a big girl. If you look at me, you know, she was a little bigger, Right? But, man, she would always come over here to the front, and she would, like, get slain in the spirit, man, like, drunk in the spirit. And everybody would look at me like, bro, go get your sister, bro, because ain't nobody here can handle her. I was, like, the handler back in the day. My brother Larry took over for me. But, man, she would, and she would, she would hug me, and she's like, I love you, brother. Ah. I'm like, hey, bro, you need to calm down. We're going to go down like two wells on a boat. Because I ain't going to hold you. Once that gets to rocket, boy, I'm going down. But it was always, it was all, I'm like, man, stay in your seat, man. Just stand, go back there. God fills you. But I would tell her, she's like, man, shut up. I'm coming to the front. But I love my sister, man. And um, I miss her, but I'm thankful that, that she came to know the Lord and I know that she's with him. Amen. So the word status quo, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't really pay much attention to it. Well, actually, I couldn't stop thinking about the word. But today we deal with the status quo just like Joseph had to in his time. We need to realize that we too have current situations 
that we must battle. And we cannot be modern day Pharisees just checking off the Christian box. Service, Sunday, check. Wednesday, class, check. Friday, drop my youth off, check. It's more than that. Checking the boxes ain't going to get you into heaven. Assuming because the Christian boxes are checked, everybody and everything is good. Pharisees didn't worry about it. Oh, you're here? You're good. In the church, what does Pastor Ryan always say? If you don't see someone, reach out to them. How many of you do? How many of us do? But we checked the box. We were here. We need to discern the situation and listen to the Holy Spirit. Because let me tell you something. We are good liars. You can take that how you want to. But we are good liars and we're good at hiding. I said my preaching wasn't going to be long. I think it has been. Um, but you know what? Let me ask the, pr- the praise and worship team to come up. Please. Um, the enemy hasn't changed much. He's the same as he was then. He's the same now. Different angles, different methods. He's attacking the same things in different ways. Marriage, sexual preferences, gender, identity issues, self-doubt, insecurities, depression, anger. It hasn't changed much. You go through the fruit of the flesh, it's the same. It's the same things we battle. Same face. Same enemy. The question is that I asked you is how, or ask us, how do we see it in Scripture so much? How do we see it in our daily lives so much, and yet we still struggle? The only thing I can think of is that we're not filled. We may have the Spirit within us, but we don't have the power of the Spirit within us. And there's a big difference. Upon conversion, everyone is filled with the Spirit. But just like Joseph, it's through process of working, process of doing, process of the Holy Spirit training and leading with your brothers and sisters, your pastors around you. God is not outdated. He's not old school. It is not time for a change when it comes to God. What it is, it's time for us to change. Preach the gospel. Build the body and disciples and disciple people. It's time to get back to the basics. I I was uh, on a prayer team in the meeting we had this morning. Uh, I thought of Juan, Juan Rios. I said, we're the body. Stub your thumb. Get your, get your fingers smashed like I did. One of your fingers. Try to put on your pants. Try to put on your socks. Try to zip up your zipper. Anything. Try to tie your shoelaces. You realize how important all your fingers are. The same thing goes for the body of Christ. 
no matter what part of the body you are. And I think that's why, I think that's why he re- relates so much to the body. Because if my arm is cut off, I'm no longer able to do with that arm that I should. I have to use an arm that I'm not used to. I have to reach across ways that I'm not supposed to be able to. You have to learn to do things without body parts. Think about the significance of that when it comes to the church. If you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, if you're not the hand or the finger that you should be, how are you hurting the body? Hey, bro, it's just me. I come to church. I sit on the bench. I give my ties. I'm here. That's not enough. I would even think that a pastor would say, keep your money. We want your gift. We want what God has called you to do. And contrary to the world and what they believe, if you're here, you're here for a reason. You're not here by chance. You're not here because you got hit in the road one night. There's a reason you're here. It's a divine intervention. It's funny, but it was a reason. There are reasons for everything. Old church didn't want me. You got something to do here. I don't know where to go. Come to my house. We all have something that we're supposed to do. And we got to do it. The first step is acknowledging your sin. It's the first step. Because you can't help other people in their situation, in their mess, if you're in the same situation, in the same mess as them. So we acknowledge our sin. And then we repent. True repentance. Not the, uh, I'm sorry. My bad. I did it again. Do you know the term, I'm sorry, is meant to be one time? If I step on your toe, I'm sorry. It won't happen again. But we've come to a, a, a way of understanding that I'm sorry is just a, another term of endearment. It really doesn't, and if, unfortunately, it doesn't mean anything. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. And then it happens again. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, babe. And then you hurt her feelings again. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to touch you or grab you that way. Because it's out there, right? I seen it. I was a witness to it myself. Acknowledge your sin. Repent. True repentance doesn't mean that you just feel bad for a second. It means you feel so bad that you just can't see yourself doing it again. Does that mean that we'll be perfect? Does that mean that we will never sin again? No, we're falling. We fall short every day. But we try to be our best. This is a tough process, but we all go through it. Sometimes several of us go through it several times. But you know what? I remember going to Pastor Abel. I look past, I shouldn't be a leader. I shouldn't be here. It was Pastor Juan. He said, why, Brandon? I knew he was preaching this morning. I was in the office. I heard like the, mm, I said, that's Pastor, Pastor Juan. But he said, why, Brandon? I said, man, because I fall every day. 
said, but did you get back up? I said, absolutely. He said, then you are where you're supposed to be. Get back up. Learn from your mistakes. Be like Joseph. Honor God through it all. You may be alone. You may feel alone. You may feel like you're by yourself. But guess what? You're not alone. Last Friday, they had, the women had a, it was, it was for everybody, but they had a lock-in. Prayer. The Vigilia. That's what they call it. Call it a lock-in. They wouldn't let me leave. But the first prayer that they did, I'm sorry. It's just sometimes it comes and I just say it. I'm like, Joseph. The first prayer they said, they said, look, we want you to pray and worship God. Don't ask for anything. Don't ask him for nothing. Just praise him and worship him. I was like, bro, that's an hour. That's an hour of just thanking him and praising him and worshiping him. Side note, we're going to do it for eternity. But Friday night, I was like, bro, we'll see. Let me tell you that I sat there for about an hour and a half. Thinking to myself, don't ask for anything. It was so hard. But man, once I broke through, hour and a half, I just worshiped and worshiped and thanked him and worshiped and thanked him and worshiped and thanked him. Time flew so fast. But think to yourself, why is it so difficult to thank the one who gives you everything? This building, your house, your body, even if it's imperfect, even if you're a little overweight, even if you, whatever, whatever, you have scars, I have this, I have that, it's messed up. It doesn't matter, bro. That's what God gave you. It doesn't matter. You don't like what you see in the mirror? Do something about it. Don't cry about it. Do something about it. That night they had um, they had uh, testimonies. That's not something I'm really familiar with. Like I see people do it. Like I think of like movies. I'm gonna give a testimony. I think of it like that, you know. But that's <laughs> not something I like to do, right? I don't want to get up in front of everybody and do it. And Marita's like, anybody, anybody? And I'm like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. If nobody else goes. I'm gonna go. And I had a conversation with the guy, and he was like, man, I was thinking the same thing. And I don't think either one of us went up. But I'm going to do what I should have done there now. So, uh, probably about a month ago, an hermana. There's two hermanas. And it's funny because I put in my notes, just by saying hermanas, they are like, I know who they are. It was two sisters. One that went to my wife. At one time, and said that uh, Brandon was on my heart. The Lord put Brandon on my heart uh, to pray for his health. And my wife's like, okay. So she told me that, I guess maybe three weeks later, a couple of weeks later, a couple of weeks later, it doesn't matter. A couple of weeks later, she calls my wife. I'm about to head out of town. My wife kind of lost it. But uh, she said that, uh, that, she, that, that the Lord put me on her on her heart and on her mind to pray for me for my health and um, for my heart <laughs> and uh, she said that she had gave a, a, a warning to my brother-in-law my sister's husband he passed was like a brother to me and um, she had told him that the Lord had gave her 
a warning for him to, to get serious about his health. And um, he did it, unfortunately, and that's kind of what took him. But uh, she said, Mija, this is like the warning that I gave to him. So it's serious, you know. When I was writing this, it didn't, it didn't, I guess, hit me the same way. <laughs> Probably when I wrote it. That's why they call it a testimony, huh? So, my, like I said, my wife lost it. But just to give you context, the first of the year, I said, man, I'm, I'm kind of tired with my lifestyle. Kind of tired of being big. I know I look good big, but I got to lose some weight. Stop laughing, man. But, uh... I started, I started changing up some things, and my wife was like, all right, good. But the truth of the matter is, how long would it have lasted? And then I get those two warnings. I guess the reason why I want to cry is like, why am I so important? Twice. down 20 pounds but it's not about losing weight it's about a lifestyle change so I'm here to tell you man whatever it is whatever it is it may not be food it may be you fill in the blank but don't let time slip because time goes fast it seems like time speeds up the older we get I look back up because now I'm not going to cry. In case y'all didn't catch that. Uh, but I want to say prayer can help your current situation. Interceding on other people's behalf is powerful. What if Joseph wouldn't have paid attention to those two guys? What if Sister Angelica just said, Ah, Brandon, that's just me. It's in my head. What if the elder would have said that? It's just, it's not God, it's just me, I know him, I'm related, he's married to my, his, his son is married to my, my daughter. Nah, pastor said, what do you say, uh, random thoughts don't just come to your mind like that, that's God. So, I'm thankful. What is keeping you from li- giving your all to God? What are you allowing to keep you from eternity with God? Is it a relationship? Is it your mentality? Is it your habitual sin that you just don't want to let go of? Is it depression? Is it sickness? Is it your past? Is it pornography? Is it homosexuality? Is it your identity? Is it religion? If you keep doing what you've always done, you will get what you've always gotten. I'm going to ask you, what are you willing to do differently to see God move powerfully in your life? And I close with this. It's a uh, Dr. Ross Cochran as a commentary. And he says this, the status quo killed Jesus. The status quo is so powerful that it will even turn a deaf ear to God. Obeying God's word requires repentance and transformation. Few really want that. Most of us would rather embrace what we know presently in order to be comfortable. 
So we are tempted to reject anything that threatens the status quo, even if it is from God. Think of it. God appears in the person of Jesus, and the people would rather have things as they are than to hear a word from God. Scary, isn't it? The status quo has a gravitational pull that must be overcome. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Numa Church. Thanks again and God bless.